Cut the shitty music. All right, all right, hold on. Welcome to the Post-College Podcast, a.k.a. the PCP. We are your hosts, Michael and Ben. You can find more episodes of the PCP on your favorite streaming app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Michael, can you believe that we've reached the end of season one? Episode eight just finished recording. Season two is already in the works. What do you think we should title this one? I think no college, no problem is going to be our title for this episode. Yeah. And then we'll add featuring Roseanne from Sydney Evan in little parentheses. People will love it. People will love it. And they're going to love listening to Roseanne. The conversation just flows. and She's got a ton of great stories. Yep. Ranging from selling candy bars to buy her favorite Hershey's all the way through going to college for a couple of years and leaving to keep pursuing her jewelry business and telling us how integrity is extremely important in any business that you're in and sharing her story all the way from childhood through her career with us. And we hope the listeners will enjoy the conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. Let's get into the conversation. Okay. I was born in Los Angeles and I am a daughter of two immigrants. My father was born in Poland and he survived the Holocaust. He was in Auschwitz, lost oh. everybody, oh my. but like one cousin. My mother was born in France, a hidden child survivor, mm -hmm. and was fortunate to have her, her main family, obviously mother, father, and brothers survived some family was killed but mainly the what was i going to say the core family what, what's the mm -hmm. word for your main family uh, immediate family yeah she she yeah and she came after the war the first the first person that came to los angeles she came after the war here my father also mm -hmm had an uncle that survived because he actually came to LA before the war started. And so when he found wow. nobody but one cousin, he and his cousin came to LA and they met on a blind date and they both mm -hmm. had crazy heavy accents and they got married <laughs> six months later by a rabbi in wow. Vegas because uh -huh. neither one of them had any family here except for the uncle that my father had. So then flash mm -hmm. forward, my brother was born. I was born. I was born at Kaiser Hospital on Sunset. Mm -hmm. and grew up basically in Hollywood, West Hollywood, that is. Mm -hmm. Went to Melrose Avenue Elementary School, Bancroft Junior High, Fairfax High School. Then I did a couple years at Valley Junior College. But when I was in high school, when I was 17, because I was one of the youngest in my class because my birthday is in December, mm -hmm. I got a job working in the fine jewelry business. And that was because when you were in fine jewelry back then, a lot of family-owned businesses, they really only mm -hmm. hired people that they knew, either a family member or a friend of a family member because of the trust issues. Mm -hmm. And I was friends mm -hmm. with somebody whose brother-in-law was a jewelry manufacturer. And then his wife's sister opened something also doing selling charms and chains and all that uh -huh. stuff in the late 70s, early 80s. And I got a job there and I used to take the bus every day because my parents uh, didn't get me a car. They were, you know, they were very, we lived very modestly, I should say. Mm -hmm. So I take the bus every day. I worked after my fourth period class. So I was there from one to five. I learned a lot of stuff. And then I continued to work part-time through college, the couple years of college I went to, I don't really have very many memories of, of my college, mm -hmm. to be honest, at all. Mm -hmm. I kind of think it was pretty useless, but who knows? It might, it could have been, you know, you might not want to put that up. You may not want to put that. No, I, well, no I think we pretty, do. That's important. That's really interesting, well, I mean, actually. there might have been things I learned. I just don't remember how I know everything I know. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's through a lot of the experience. And you were working, I'm assuming, the entire time you were at Valley, right? The entire time I was working part time until I thought this was not for me. You know, I didn't, I don't think, mm -hmm. I think two years was enough. And the fact that I can't remember anything except for Pavlov's theory <laughs> in psychology 101 is the only thing I remember yeah. and my handbag getting stolen off the steps of Valley College. Oh, Otherwise, yeah. that's, and the cafeteria, I do remember the cafeteria well, <laughs> sad to say. But yeah, I worked the entire time. I had then left working for the people I had worked for and started a job 
working for a very large jewelry manufacturer because prior to that, there was only a few jewelers working in the back of where I was working. And this place Mm -hmm. had like 12, 14 jewelers and we did everything there. Every single thing, the design was, there was no such thing as CAD. So the designs were cut out of wax and then we then made the model and then we made the mold and then we cast it and then we, you know, filed and then we set stones and we polished and rhodiumed and we did everything in house. And so I worked for that last job for about six plus years. I'm still Mm -hmm. very close with the owner. I actually, right before leaving him, I fixed him up with a girl who now they've been married for over 35 years, something crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I learned completely everything in that that job. And uh, I mean, in the jobs, I should say, of fine jewelry. Mm -hmm. One of the things I learned was how important it was to be honorable and a handshake was everything. And your name Mm -hmm. is everything. I learned that always from my family as well, but really to have that job in fine jewelry was a pretty big deal. And everybody did a handshake. You signed your name on paper, but it meant Mm -hmm. nothing compared to your handshake. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of, that's a dying breed today, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But still there are people downtown that we work like that. Roseanne, I want to ask you real quick. That's kind of interesting because of the current situation we're in with coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And then also because of the technological like kind of revolution and kind of the interperson kind of interactions we have like there, I guess that like you said, that's a dying breed and that the handshake is what meant everything to you and to past generations of jewelers, I guess, is that how has that kind of translated recently for you is that are you still able to interact maybe you're not shaking people's hands per se like physically but you're still kind of able to over the phone or through video or what have oh, you oh yeah you absolutely when i say a handshake it just it also just means somebody's word too mm-hmm. you know recently i had a client come into my showroom and he had to go to the bank to get his checks or yet for payment and his wife was with him and I didn't really know them very well, but I have a very good feeling about people. And his mm-hmm. wife was wearing the earrings. She had them on. I go, go ahead and go enjoy them, wear them. And I'll see your husband when he comes back. And he just looked at me surprised. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not worried about you, Eric. I'll see you when you, when you come back, you know, it was $1,600. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, he showed up with his, you know, with the check and he handed yeah. it to me. And there's a feeling that is really hard to explain. It feels mm-hmm. really good to me working with somebody who's honorable and it could be a client who's, you know, really past due on an invoice and they're ready mm-hmm. to ship. And, my bookkeeping says we can't ship her. She has an order and it's $900, but she owes $20,000. So I pick up the phone mm-hmm. with the person who I know who's, mm-hmm. who is good for it, but mm-hmm. tends to pay late. So I got on the phone mm-hmm. and I said to her, listen, I, you know, I'm getting slack from bookkeeping and you need to take care of it. Could we just get a credit card? And she's like, I really mm-hmm. can't, I can pay for the piece ship. And I promise you, you have my word by Monday, I'll send you a partial payment. I said, mm-hmm. you got to pay me 10 grand. And she goes, okay, I'll take care of it. Well, yeah. instead of Monday, she did it the, the next day, which was this past Friday. And mm-hmm. she called and she said, I can't do the 10. I can put eight, 8,500 on the card. Is that okay? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No problem. You got it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is, can't do that with everybody. You know, it's right. da- it's sad Definitely. to say you can't do it with everybody, but I have yeah, instinct. But you, you feel the integrity. Yes, it's all about the integrity. And there's nothing that makes me more upset when somebody says they're going to do something and then they don't follow through with it yeah. in business. Of course, there's always reasons mm-hmm. things could happen and you can give somebody a pass once, but if it continues, then you know this is a person that doesn't have integrity. Right. And so, and so you got a lot of skills, not just on the technical side, you know, and the jewelry making um, in that previous job, 
but the whole business side, right? And then oh. is that was that the last role that nope. you had before starting? Nope. Okay, nope. so that's so a great question. Us, continue us on to that story. So when I gave notice to my last fine jewelry job, mm-hmm. I had been approached several times during those six plus years by other people. We were wholesalers Mm -hmm. and we did retail too. So we used to sell the fine jewelry wholesalers and stores because we manufactured, but then we had a private clientele who would come in and they'd come in and they'd buy, you know, semi wholesale, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so I did my strength, by the way, was sales in the beginning. Cause when I love things, I love things. Yeah. And I'm very passionate. I can't sell something I don't like. I just can't mm-hmm. live with myself. But I think I skipped a couple things. One of the things I skipped is when I was young, like 11 years old, I was already babysitting to mm-hmm. make a dollar an hour because my parents, they, I mean, they didn't really have money. You know, they, mm-hmm. we had enough to food on the table. We got a birthday gift, we got a Christmas gift, Hanukkah gift, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, we were not spoiled by any by any stretch mm-hmm. and we lived we lived very humble lives and so i always wanted things and whenever i was told no i want that doll you have to wait for your birthday blah 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 mm-hmm. so i started doing things like babysitting and i remember we had a next door neighbor she was older and she needed me to vacuum and dust her house and i'd do that for 2 mm-hmm. hours i'd make 5 dollars and then I played piano. I had a teacher and I got so good. The teacher said, you know, you could have a couple students under uh-huh. you. And I started teaching piano and I'd make, you know, I had three students and I made $5 a session. Wow. That was a lot of money. And then, oh, I remember after graduating elementary school, like in seventh grade, I went, I remember my friend and I went to the Valley. We'd take the bus and go to the bead store and I'd buy puka shells. I'd buy turquoise. I'd buy hishi beads. I'd buy mm-hmm. all these different things. And I'd string necklaces and bracelets. I would sell those. So I was already obviously a little entrepreneur. And then yeah. there was a place called the Bargain Circus. This is the funniest thing. I can't believe <laughs> I did this. But I think chewing gum was, I don't know, 15 cents a pack back then. Mm-hmm. And Bargain Circus on the corner of La Brea and Willoughby had all these different things. And they had this tea berry chewing gum. And I think I paid 10 cents for it and I'd sell it for 15 cents in school. And then I'd save up enough money because the candy bar was like 20 cents. Uh And I'd buy a Hershey chocolate bar with almonds because my parents wouldn't give me any kind of an allowance. And Mm -hmm. they didn't want me to buy junk food because we were always eating healthy and steaming vegetables way before it was in style. Wow. (laughs) Hey, Ben, do you know what's not in style yet? Yeah, I think you're referring to sponsoring the post-college podcast which is sponsored by you and I, thepostcollegepodcast.com. That's our website where you can find all the episodes from season one, including this, which is episode eight, the season finale. And we'll have season two starting to stream on July 13th, 2020, which you can, of course, access through thepostcollegepodcast.com, which will take you to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast streaming app. Michael, did I guess that correctly? You nailed it, Ben. Now let's get back to the conversation. So I would, I did all these different things to make five cents, 10 cents, 20, and then it got to the dollar. And then what I didn't tell you is when I did get my first job in fine jewelry business, and by the way, I worked at the farmer's market at a clothing store prior to that when Mm -hmm. I was 16 and I would, you know, work at the boutique part-time. I don't know what I made, probably $2 an hour, but Mm -hmm. I was always the star salesperson wherever I went. And flash forward, when I first got my job in fine jewelry at 17, took, taking the bus, I had 900 hours in my savings account wow. that mm-hmm. I'd saved over the years. Mm-hmm. I took all 900 hours. I bought chains, charms, charm holders, a little displays to put the chains in the, to pin the charms on the board. And I, mm-hmm. I added like two, $3 or $5 on every piece. And I would sell them to my classmates or go to the principal, not principal, the cafeteria at the schools Mm -hmm. where the teachers, the teacher's cafeteria. Yeah. And I would sell it to them. And then I went back to my old school, Bancroft Junior High School, and I did that Mm -hmm. there. And I was making money. Wow. And I just reinvest into it. But anyway, flash forward, 
I got offered so many times to open my own business with a partner that was, you know, we used to sell to. Mm-hmm. And I felt in tr- I felt it was wrong for me to do that, that I would be disloyal to my boss because, you know, that would put me in temptation of, you know, taking his clients. And I thought that was yeah. really just wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I left the business and I went into business with a high school friend where she was a independent rep for costume jewelry, bags, belts, scarves, and accessories showroom. She actually okay. worked for somebody in an accessory showroom in the California Mart. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you want to, I want to, I want to open up my own place. And I didn't even think twice. I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> I didn't even think. No. <laughs> I thought I know how to sell. I can, you know, I'll just, I just, I just did it. I didn't think too much. One of the life lessons I have is if you think too much, sometimes it's not mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. You got to use your instinct. So I jumped into this thing. We were together a year and a half representing a lot of different designers mm-hmm. and we'd sell to stores. We'd, you know, call the customers and make appointments, take our belts and our handbags. And after a year and a half, I found out that she sadly wasn't an honest person mm-hmm. and found out some things that were not okay. So we split and mm-hmm. I just, you know, continued on with my own, I got my own collections and lines and she did her own thing. Mm-hmm. And I represented 17 years, I was a rep representing different designers. And I found myself telling them, make this bigger, make this smaller. Mm -hmm. Oh, you really need, there's porosity in your belt buckle. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's (laughs) when there's air that gets into the casting, creating pits and little holes that you Uh can't polish out. And, you know, I, I, I would see designing I wasn't even aware that I was designing and merchandising this whole mm-hmm. entire time. And anytime I gave them feedback, it would turn into like a bestseller. Wow. I guess I had an eye that I didn't mm-hmm. realize I actually had, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. How old were you, would you say, when you actually did realize that you maybe had this talent that you weren't aware of prior? Well, she's only 21 now, so she's probably like 14. <laughs> no, she's like, yeah, honestly. Well, the funny thing is, you know. <laughs> came out of the womb like that. Oh, my God. You know, there's a, it's very interesting that you say that I'm just one of those people. It takes me a long time, sometimes mm-hmm. years, to realize something I've been doing, I've been successful at, and not even giving myself credit. Mm-hmm. But when I think about in sixth grade, when I graduated um, elementary school, everybody got different, like, you know, this person's going to be this, the award for that. I got yeah. best, I got best dressed at sixth grade. And, <laughs> but that wasn't really me. I don't believe it was my mother, my mm-hmm. beautiful, elegant French mother who had incredible classic taste, always wore red lipstick, never left the house without a beautiful scarf around her neck, mm-hmm. never owned a pair of jeans. You know, she was just very elegant. And I think I 100% got my taste level from my mother. Mm-hmm. So, when did I discover? Well, I think that when I was repping these designers, I think about 10 years into it, I saw something that was missing. I saw something in fine jewelry I was missing. Now, granted, I was 24 when I opened up my own, my own showroom. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I left my old boss at 24, opened up my showroom at 24, Mm -hmm. essentially my own business. But Mm -hmm. I kept thinking there's nobody doing fine jewelry, fashion meets fine. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I did a full, you know, a full 360 back to my roots, but I had all this fashion accessories and fashion jewelry experience. And I Mm -hmm. saw the trends from the eighties, you know, till, till the late nineties, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, something is missing and I think Mm -hmm. it should be something small, 14 karat gold and diamonds, and it should be around the same price or even less than some of the costume jewelry I was selling. I was like, Mm -hmm. something happened. And now it took me a long time before I finally went and did it. Mm -hmm. Long time, meaning in 2001, I launched Sydney Evan named after my daughter, Mm -hmm. Sydney and my son, Evan, they were one and two. But I went back 
talking about being honorable, I went back to one of my old diamond dealer friends, jewelers, not my own boss. I went to somebody else and I said, I think I want to start manufacturing and I want to, I show him, I showed him my drawings. I showed him some of the things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And we started with like five pieces of jewelry and I had, I didn't have to sign a single invoice. If -hmm. you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I had endless credit, endless, because when I first opened my showroom in the California Mart back then, it was so hot to get a showroom there, you had to pay key money. Mm -hmm. And you know what that is? I do not not know what key money is. Key money is if there is a, somebody's in a showroom and if you want to take their lease over, you got to give them money. Mm. So key money applies even if you go to a store on Beverly Drive and somebody's right. in it and they have 10 years left on their lease, they'll let you have it. Give them 20 grand, give them 10 grand, give them 100 grand. Like that's what key money is. Yeah. That makes and sense. at the time they wanted 20 grand key money and my old partner and I didn't have it. And I went right to my old friend in the jewelry business and I borrowed 10 grand from him oh, wow. for my half and I paid it back. Within a year, yeah, and this was this, and again, it was a handshake. handshake. Yep, yeah, he just gave me the cash, and that was right. it. He knows me, you know. When you know somebody is honorable, it's the most incredible feeling. In fact, th- what I am most proud of in my life is my being honorable and doing the right thing in life. After mm-hmm. that, it's my two kids, and then after that, it's my business. Mm-hmm. But first comes the honor part, being honorable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so basically he gave me unlimited amount of credit. And of mm-hmm. course, I've been working with him now for almost 19 years because that's when mm-hmm. I started the brand, August of 2001. It'll be 19 years. I still work with him along with a lot of other manufacturers that do different specialties. So back to when I knew, I started to realize it majorly, I think, when I was repping different designers, telling them what they should do. And I started to see that I had a a vision and I had a talent and I had a gut instinct and I needed to go and I needed to follow through with it and start Mm -hmm. to do my own little brand. And I did it cautiously and carefully. I, it was grown amongst the other brands I represented. I already knew all the great stores I had relationships. So when it was fashion week, they'd come in and they'd buy the other brands. And then I'd show them the new brand, Sydney Evan. And I, at that time, there were literally no stores that were independent retailers, clothing boutiques, I'm saying, Mm -hmm. that carried any fine jewelry. And there I was on my soapbox telling them what I truly believe, as I did then, that why spend money? on costume jewelry and on other things when fine jewelry has A, an intrinsic value, mm-hmm. B, it lasts forever, it is a gift-giving, it is meaningful, it's sentimental. There's there's just so many great things. I can go all the way to Z, yeah. but for the most part, fine jewelry – makes me happy. When I got thrown into fine jewelry business, I used to spend all my paychecks on the fine jewelry. I still have that jewelry. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm ever in a pinch, God forbid I need money. I mean, the perfect example is Corona. You know how many people Mm -hmm. went to pawn shops to sell their jewelry, to sell their gold because they needed money. And I guess being a daughter of a Holocaust survivor, that is probably why in a way there's no mistake I got into fine jewelry. Even mm-hmm. though it was accidental, there's no accident. Because if something were to happen and I had to run, you know, leave mm-hmm. the country, flee, yeah. I can't get into a bank. I can't take my house with me. Mm-hmm. Can't take your house with you. Where are you going to do? You know, when the Holocaust was happening and the Jews were trying to flee, they, all they could do was hide their jewelry with them and bring it and try to pay off the officer, or try to get mm-hmm. on the ship, or who knows what everybody did. There's so many horrible, heinous stories of what happened. But so I don't know, it's just a security thing. It makes me feel good. And at the same time, uh, it makes me happy. My jewelry makes me happy because I have Mm -hmm. a little, it's all classic with a little twist, with a little sense of humor. It's makes me happy when my clients 
tell me that the number one thing they tell me is, Roseanne, your jewelry makes me happy. And that makes mm-hmm. me happy. Oh. And it makes me happy they've got something of intrinsic value that it's not yeah. to be thrown away and it's junk and they could pass it on to their kids. And that could be passed on to the grandkids, the great grand. I wear my father's ring yeah. that belonged to his uncle. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so, it makes me feel good. Yeah. Hey guys, just a quick second to let you know that the Post-College Podcast is going to bring you Season 2 starting on July 13th, where we're going to dive into a bunch of different professional careers. We're going to be looking at investment banking, event planning, and a whole bunch of others. Please listen and enjoy. Hey guys, it's Ben. Michael forgot to mention that you'll be able to find all those episodes on the postcollegepodcast.com or the streaming app you're using right now. So please make sure to follow or subscribe. Thanks. So I don't know if I've went in circles and said a lot of things. No, no, not at all. I, I think it's great. And that that got us up to speed and it's an amazing story. Roseanne, I, I can't help but mention this. It seems like your business and everything you've done is actually, it just ties to who you are as a person. And like mm-hmm. you, the first thing you mentioned was really the integrity and the, and the handshake and the concept of like being true to your word. And that then carries through with, like kind of how you conduct business and that you're willing to deal with certain clients that you know you can trust. Sometimes you can't trust others. But do you think like that because you were working when you were younger and that I remember you don't mentioned you don't really like, you didn't like college, you don't remember much about college. Did you, you just kind of trust your gut and you kind of just listened to who you were and is that where you kind of, you feel like you maybe made a good decision in terms of moving on with your career? What would you suggest to someone who is maybe 20, 21 or, and has done a little bit of college, but doesn't really, they're maybe not thriving. They don't see themselves. Maybe they're stuck in community college and they're not quite sure what to do. Would you, what would you recommend to them? Oh, you know, that's a tough one because I always question to my, I question myself oftentimes. And I think, I wonder what would have happened if I would have mm-hmm. really finished that's what I want to ask. and would it, would I have a much, you know, bigger business, stronger business, or would the education scare me and not mm-hmm. let me choose my gut instinct about doing things in a very street smart kind of way? I learned as I went, but my advice would be probably to finish college and But on the other side of that, it depends on the situation. If you have an opportunity, for instance, something comes along, you have an opportunity. And if you feel really strongly about this opportunity and you're making a very also wise choice and use common sense, then I would say it's not necessary to finish college. But if you really haven't started anything and you don't really have any ideas of what you want to do, then I think you should finish college. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what, you know, what happens, the opportunities. For right. me, I really didn't think that far ahead. All I thought about is I want to make money so I can buy what I want. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I can, you know, I can tell you that that's really what I was thinking was I just wasn't thinking of the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah, was so wanting I, to make money. I wanted to hop into that. So I didn't have to be told what to do by my, but by my parents, especially my mother, you know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to have my own money because then I was independent and then I didn't have to listen to anything they had to say <laughs> for the most part. Mm-hmm. I just did what I wanted. And, and also, you know, my father had passed away too, right when I opened my showroom, right a couple mm-hmm. months before that too. Oh, so wow. I don't know what would have happened if my father had been alive if I would have had to listen. I mean, I actually didn't really listen to him anyway, I think, because <laughs> at the age, well, no, I mean, of course I listened to him. I, everything I am is, is because of my father and mother, mm-hmm. really. But because they gave me great education messages that you can't get in school. Mm-hmm. But I remember my father used to say, what are you spending all your money on this jewelry? What are you spending it on the right. gold? Meanwhile, I think gold was, I don't know, 200, 400, 300 dollars an ounce then, right? So mm-hmm. I have no qualms about doing what I did. I think I did the right thing by not listening to him. And what is gold an ounce now for people? It's $1,744, <laughs> I think. Quite it was the investment on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. 
that was an amazing investment there, Roseanne. <laughs> well, it's, I don't believe, I mean, I don't believe in, I mean, yeah, it, it was, but on the other hand, you can say if I taken that money and I bought property, I would have been a lot happier. I would have had a lot more money. So a lot happier or a lot wealthier? Because I think sorry, there's a not happier, there, right? not happier right. because I can't wear my real estate. I could wear mm -hmm. my jewelry, right. but I'm just saying that that my father was wrong on a certain level with, mm -hmm. I didn't, it's a low risk to me when you're spending money on yourself and enjoying your jewelry. And if you love it, it's a, it, it's not much of a risk, you know, like the stock market's a much bigger risk. Yeah. Risk. Yeah. I don't think um, anyone loves the stock market as much as you love jewelry and it comes out, you know, in the product you make and the way thanks. you, you deal with people and sell to them. I mean, I haven't been in your showroom. I don't know how you sell. I think you don't. I think people just, you know, like the product and like you. So it's probably not that tough of a sell. If I, I, I actually don't, inside. I don't really sell anymore. Yeah, then. Exactly. The truth is I haven't sold in many, many years, that, many, that, many that years. I'm really, I am just seriously, I design every little thing and everything that's there mm -hmm. is me. It's is, you. It, it, yeah. yeah. And I wish sometimes I can get a break. I sometimes wish somebody could walk in and totally have my, my head and my vision and mm -hmm. my taste level and my inspiration, which is mainly from the seventies and eighties yeah. and what I've been through, but just adjusted and updated and modernized for today. So I can get a break because yeah. that's the hardest part of my job is what's that next collection going to be? What's right. you the are next the thing? Right. Which is, yeah. you know, which sometimes when you just want to take a break from it, you can never really take a break. Yeah. I, I want to get into that because now I'm sure it's even harder to take a break. But when you were doing all this, how were you, you know, uh, I'm assuming you were hopefully working with some friends or, you know, people you brought into the company were friends, but how are you having a social life and a family and, you know, where were you living during this time? Did you move out from your parents' house between, you know, high school and and going to Valley College? And oh, then starting that's a great business? question. What, what was so, the personal life like? Because the business sounds amazing. The stars aligned. Looking back, everything made sense. But I'm sure yeah, there were a lot working. of unknowns, was, right? Well, first of all, I did live at home. Very mm -hmm. old-fashioned parents. When I think about my parents, they were like almost like the mentality of a grandparent. Okay for somebody American. Mm -hmm. So very old fashioned values. And most of it, I'm very, very appreciative. Some of it, maybe not so good, but I totally respect and understand where they were coming from mm -hmm. and appreciate it. And I really am, I have a lot of self-respect because of how they brought me up and how important it was to respect others, to respect oneself. Mm -hmm. I lived at home until I was 27, almost 28. Mm -hmm. I do not recommend it. <laughs> okay. It is a really not, it doesn't let you grow emotionally when you live at mm -hmm. home. It's the worst thing you can do to a kid mm -hmm. is to let them live at home, you know, past the age of, I don't know, 22, 23, mm -hmm. maybe 24 is the maximum. But then you, it's not, it's not healthy. Yeah. To live at home. I think everybody, including, you know, all genders need to know how to do everything, cooking, mm -hmm. cleaning, the whole gamut. I think I will say something that nobody ever asks me, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what's really sad is that in school today, they don't have home economics. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and, took like home ec, I took like home ec for seventh and eighth grade, I think. And like, uh -huh. it was almost considered like a joke of a class like it and then that was it too and you could also take elect out of it yeah i think that that should be mandatory for everybody mm -hmm. mandatory like you know like mathematics 101 i mean yeah you right. should know how to cook you should know how to sew if your hem comes down and you need to sew mm -hmm. it really quickly i think the basics of I don't know. I don't think home ec taught things like, you know, how to wash your dishes and all. Oh, I mean, yeah. obviously my husband is South African and he, you know, he grew, grew up very privileged and 
I think that his family did a big and big disservice for him or to him, I should say, mm-hmm. because only really lately because of the pandemic, he's been, <laughs> you know, having to do things that he normally wouldn't do and he mm-hmm. can do it. He's at, he's surprised that he's capable. He made his, av- <laughs> he made his own avocado toast the other day. It was like a huge ordeal. Yeah. You know, he was, it was probably great. Uh, both my, my husband and I make jokes that we had we had a marriage that is like from the fifties, mm-hmm. even though we were born in the sixties. But I'm just saying we had that kind of marriage, but we don't really have that kind of marriage because, but but yet we do. But mm-hmm. I want to make that I want to change that a little. So now he's starting to wash the dishes and cook and anyway. So I think it's important for all people, all genders, to learn the basic things and yes you need to move out mm-hmm. more so for the boys and the girls i can tell you that right now i have i know exactly who i'm sending this snippet of the episode to already your parents no <laughs> no no you I live mean, alone yeah i live alone uh no i have a friend who's just turned 26 who's living with his parents so he's passed the limit that roseanne has set oh <laughs> yeah so it doesn't like it's really it's not good for the marriage later on if they get married too. It's very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the other part I want to go into mm-hmm. was what do you think? I mean, everything looking back, you know, the selling gum and buying jewelry <laughs> and being so passionate about it and and getting into the business through the family friend and staying in it, everything lines up really well. But what do you think you would be doing if for some reason you were not in the jewelry business? Like if just, you know, somehow there was, there was a crisis like this and then the business just didn't work when you first got into it and you had to find something else. Well, I was, I was, you know, don't forget, I had a safety net. I was a rep. I was already, mm-hmm. I had my own company and it was, I had a showroom in, you know, in the Mart. I had a showroom in San Francisco. I had mm-hmm. employees working for me. So I would have continued doing that probably. Did you have a passion outside of jewelry? Like, did you want to be a like a dolphin trainer, you know, if you, how did you know who told you that I told Sydney not to tell you about the dolphin obsession I had and his name was flipper king of the sea. Okay. Sorry. I don't even know if you know who that is. It was a TV show. No idea what the reference is. It was a TV show. It was called flipper and it was about a dolphin whose name was flipper. (laughs) It was very cute. You could probably find it on YouTube. You could find everything today. I mean, when I was growing up, there was, a TV and it had like five channels and that was mm-hmm. it. And you couldn't record it and you had to get up and turn the knob. Right. And before that, I'm sure there were no TVs. So what do those people have to say? <laughs> I would say yes, for sure. My passion, what I really wanted to do was be an entertainer, mm-hmm. singing, dancing, acting, Comedy. comedian, yeah. I mean, talk show host, that came later. I think I would have been a great talk show host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have wanted to be in entertainment. That's what is, but but I was totally rejection. Most people don't like rejection. I mm-hmm. really, really don't think I could have handled rejection. And if you want to be an actress or singer, or dancer, or any of that stuff, back in the day when I was growing up, you'd be like, have to sleep with the person to get a job in that business. Mm -hmm. And that was completely not going to ever happen because I was quote unquote, a good girl Mm -hmm. back in the day, which I would, which is a terrible term (laughs) to Mm -hmm. use today. I would never, ever use that today because that's just a bunch of crap, Mm -hmm. but I would never sleep with somebody to get somewhere, which is another reason I started the fine jewelry business. Sydney Evan is because Mm -hmm. I think, I think one of the number one reasons, which I completely forgot to tell you is I think a girl should be able to buy her own jewelry and not wait for a guy to buy it. Mm -hmm. I think a girl should have her own money so she doesn't, she's not tempted to get married for the wrong reasons other than love. Yeah. I really like like that. that. Yeah. That's something I I remember even being in elementary school thinking, I'm going to, you know, I want to marry for love. I don't want to marry somebody for money. Mm -hmm. And I think probably subconsciously, this whole time when I was making my own money and building my small empire from $900 at the beginning to where mm-hmm. I am today, I never wanted to you know, be beholden to anybody. I didn't want to have to be with a guy for the wrong reasons. I wanted to make my own money. So 
yeah. I wouldn't be tempted to, 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 to be with somebody because of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Did you find a level of money that I guess there's probably different stages of, you know, wealth. Did you find a level of money as it went up, it continuously made you happier and happier? Or did you kind of hit a point where you're like, okay, what I make past this, you know, is not, is not changing my lifestyle that much, you know? Like, and the reason I ask this is for instance, I'm currently in the boat where I don't love my job, but the next promotion is a lot of money for my age and just a lot of money in general, but mm-hmm. I don't love it. Is it going to make me happier? I think probably not, but I'm curious to get your take on that. Nah, it's not going to make you happier. I mean, mm-hmm. I always have the, I always have in my head, you got to have money for a rainy day. And of course, as I get older, all I could think about, when am I going to have enough so I don't have to work anymore? (laughs) That was always (laughs) in my mind. And I didn't really think about that. I just kept, you know, doing what I did and still continued to do it without really thinking about the end of I don't really think so forward. I just, you know, when I make a good sale, I get really mm-hmm. excited or, you know, I mean, back in the day when I was even yeah. a rep, I wrote a really big order for a line and it was huge for me to write that kind of an order. And I knew what my commission would be and that's good. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I didn't stop too much to think about that. I just kept moving forward. I kept doing what I did, trying to grow sales. And I didn't really have a plan. I only ever mm-hmm. had visions. Like I never had a business plan Mm -hmm. in my life, never had a business plan. My business plan is really what is my vision and will I get there? And when will I get there? It's just up to me when I decide to start making it happen. I don't know if that was good or not good, to be honest. Maybe if I had a business plan and all the visions I've had since the beginning, Mm -hmm. maybe uh, it would have happened but I'm so busy. I think hiring the right people to achieve things that you want to get achieved is really important. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, I just think you're happy making more money. I don't believe makes a person happy. Mm -hmm. What money can buy makes me happy. Mm -hmm. The money itself you know, as I work more and more and, you know, over the years from when I was very young, when I was able to afford to go to Europe, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had the money to go there and I didn't have to max out my credit cards. I never in my life bought something if I didn't have the money Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't charge it on a card if I couldn't pay the full balance. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I'm talking about when it was in the beginning. I mean, I got my first credit card. I think I was 19. If I put mm-hmm. $300 on it, I better make sure I have the $300 to pay it or I wouldn't charge it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any big lessons you learned by, you know, from, I don't know, maybe biting off more than you could chew at a time or having a deal go bad where it, it's like a almost a pinnacle moment in your career where you learned something really big and, and shifted a little? Well, I would never, well, no, that's not true. I'm trying to, I remember when I was a rep and I was repping this belt company and there was a company, a store that was overseas Mm -hmm. that they would place orders that I will always take a deposit on anybody outside of the United States. And the one time, and they'd always pick up their merchandise and they'd pay the balance. And the one time I didn't take it, take a deposit is the one time they never picked up their merchandise. I got stuck with it. So I think sometimes even if somebody has a good word and is honorable, sometimes you still have to, when it's certain circumstances, like they're overseas out of the United Mm -hmm. States, no matter how much a person word is good, most of the time you have to still take a 50% deposit. Like I'll never forget I got burned. And it was it was mm-hmm. about $2,500. But mm. it was, again, it was back to that handshake and that I yeah, trusted right. them. And yeah. so I know that sounds kind of dumb, but that it was something so small, but it meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I have definitely been burned. I think 
I represented some brands that I built up really, really big. And then they decided to leave, go corporate. And then mm-hmm. as an extra kiss, they took my employee with them. Oh, wow. You know, so, you know, and these are the things that I would never do in a million years, in a Mm -hmm. million years. They're untouchable. There's certain things you just don't do. There's just certain things you just don't do. And, and in business, it happens all Mm -hmm. the time, all the time. Yeah. But I still would never do such a thing. What goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. But one advice is, which is a pretty well-known piece of advice, you should never put all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. So, which means make sure that one client never is more than a third of your business. Got it. Uh, That's a good tip. Yep. Because when somebody goes chapter 11 and they're representing half of your business, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's it's, game over. Well, if, I mean, some people, yes, some people know, but Mm you got to be very you got to be careful with certain kinds of businesses you know like big corporate businesses that they can hurt you they really mm-hmm. can i mean there's a great story about a lot of that kind of stuff i mean maurice my husband who you know mm-hmm. who's a very smart man he knows a lot of those kind of stories mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of uh, cases that you get when you're a lawyer that you learn when you're becoming a lawyer and you do a lot of case studies and there's a lot of stuff uh, about don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you build hobbies outside of work or did you get so much enjoyment from work that you didn't necessarily need a, a release from it? Oh, I had a release. I dance, I went dancing like three, four nights a week. Oh, there it is. That's the advice that we should have started with. Right. That was before Sydney Evan. Got it. And then what about after? Was it just spending time? Then I was already married. So, you know, at that (laughs) point. Um, But, you know, when I was younger, my favorite thing was going dancing. And there was Mm -hmm. great places to go here in LA, which, you know, they don't have, there's no more discos, which is kind of sad because it was a really a lot of fun. And then later than there became the clubs, which was a dinner club, mm-hmm. which was like Tramps of London, which was open in the Beverly Center. It was a beautiful dining room. Then you could go dancing mm-hmm. right into the room next door, or there was Voila, where Prince and Eddie Murphy, we used to see them all the time. We had, mm-hmm. We went out all the time. Dancing was my favorite thing. It was really all about going to clubs, dancing, and it wasn't even ever for me and my girlfriends. We never really drank. It was not even, mm-hmm. it wasn't about that. It was about how much we love to dance. And I still love to dance. So yeah. that's probably a major hobby of mine. But after getting married, obviously having Sydney and Evan, there, first of all, there really wasn't clubs anymore like that. And right. it, you know, it's all about going to dinner and spending time with my friends really is my passion and maybe taking dance classes here and there mm-hmm. just for fun, like Zumba. Other than that, my hobby is loving to go to Malibu and look at the ocean. And And my hobbies are every year going on a vacation where I can look at the ocean. Mm-hmm. And we love to travel. So sad to say this year we're not going anywhere because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But I don't have a lot of real hobbies. I mean, as a kid, I collect coins with my father. Mm -hmm. We collected coins or again, it was dancing was a really big part of my life. I know it's Mm -hmm. not really a hobby, but. I I think it is. I mean, it totally is. And there's something that is exciting about that and is different and away from work. And I think is a big challenge for a lot of people now, especially now with COVID. I'm seeing a lot of people who are spending their time not on doing things they enjoy but things to better themselves you know learning how to do something or studying right. and, and reading and doing all that but i think it's too much and finding that release is i think a big challenge for a lot of people and just having yeah. that one thing that they do just for them and to make them happy i think dancing makes people happy i think going to the ocean looking at the beach the water is great i think the number one thing everybody could do is put their phones away and their laptops Mm -hmm. away and just, you know, take a few hours and not look at it is a really, really amazing thing to do. 
Yeah. I'm the biggest culprit of the phone too, by the way. <laughs> it's such a sickness. It's kind of, I wish sometimes that the the world would shut every single device off and yeah. for 24 hours. Yeah. That's if it, we could once just, a week. If we could, exactly. If we could just make you know some sort of bug for all the phones in the world, I'd be happy with it. Right. I'll gladly take it. Well, that's I why agree. dinner is so nice, having dinner with no phone at the table. Yes. That's my rule. Yep. yep, it's a good one. My one rule at my house, only one, nobody listens to me other than that. And the one rule is no <laughs> phones at the, at the dinner table or lunch. When we're eating, those phones go away. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Well, But also the- walking, walking is a, I'd say, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to call it a hobby, I love to go on walks, clear mm-hmm. my mind. And the best thing is not bringing my phone with me, but sometimes I have to if I'm walking with music. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, when I go take a friend, go on a walk, I did a lot of that during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I left my phone at home and just went Mm -hmm. for walks. And it was something very incredible about it, going back to to the times when I didn't have a phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any other questions you guys have or no? I think I think that's that's all. I feel like I just went through an entire movie. Yeah. Which is amazing. (laughs) That's not even that was just a what is it called? A, a teaser. Yeah, yeah, that was a teaser to, to your Sydney Evan podcast. Oh yeah, goodness. there's so many things. I mean, my advice to everybody, like I would tell Sydney or Evan, is always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have excellent credit. And, you know, it's a very important thing is to build, build up your credit as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Are you speaking of like actual credit, like where you can take out a loan? I mean, you start with. The- are you speaking? Are you speaking like credit, like as an in integrity, like your you name? About, yeah, the name Both. basically that you carry. Both. So, in other words, as soon as you can get your own credit card, get mm-hmm. your own credit card in your own name and start building your credit. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Gotcha. You know, because it's important to have good credit both ways. So right. I was definitely talking about both. Okay. Your credit as a human being, you know, your word, do what you say, say what you do. Very important. Treat people the way you want to be treated mm-hmm. and walk away from people who don't treat you the right way. It's too many people out there that are wonderful out in the world that you don't need to waste your time with people that are negative and dragging you down. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. Thank you, Roseanne, for joining us. We really You're appreciate welcome. it. Roseanne, it was fun. I really appreciate your time. It was very nice to speak with you. Oh, it was nice to speak to you too, Michael. Thank you. And Ben, of course. Nice to speak to you too. (laughs) Good to speak with you as well. Well, fancy meeting you here. You made it through our longest episode of season one. If you enjoyed our conversation with Roseanne, then check out season two, where we're going to be talking about all sorts of different professional careers. And of course, you'll be able to find those episodes on thepostcollegepodcast.com. Looking forward to seeing you there.